Hi, good evening. I'm the host of the show. My name is Jay. If you happen to miss last week's episode, here's a short clip. Uh, you got to think if you can't bring it to your own heart and you can't find that in your own space initially, then you need to put yourself in an environment that you feel love. Where's that place that I go? It's called nature. I go out on the country. I go out in the back garden. Love is all around. So you may have to seek that counsel from the external initially. But then as I've talked about at the start of this show, then the self-building comes from being able to build that self-esteem, that self-worth, that value that builds the confidence that equates to being you, being able to find that love within yourself. Now, one other thing for me, and um, it's a beautiful quote, Oscar Wilde said it beautifully, to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. Surround yourself with love, brothers and sisters. Welcome to Real Men, Real Talk Live! Welcome back, viewers, to episode 157, 157. Tonight's episode is all about the way of unconditional love. I am excited to introduce in the studio this evening our sixth, sixth revisit with Rachel Fiore, spiritual leader. Welcome back from San Diego, Rachel Fiore. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. We also have Evis Love, the man of the land from down under. He calls himself an aboriginal. Welcome from Australia, Evis Love. As always, my brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And excited to dive in with the sister tonight. But uh, sorely missing our other two brothers, Jay the Roth Mayor. Yeah, well, they're, they're on assignment. They're both busy uh, doing what they got to do for, uh, for other commitments tonight. Uh, but we, we will miss them. It's, not, it's never the same when Josh and Jeff are not with us tonight. But we, uh, we invited Rachel in uh, because she is just an absolute, she's a powerhouse. She's a power tool. And she just comes from her heart. And so let's just jump into tonight's episode. Viewers, if you should hear something you like or love, we do invite you to share it out into your community, share it with your friends, share it with your relatives, share it with people that you care most about um, so that they can maybe hear what they need to hear tonight. But tonight's episode is one that uh, Rachel proposed to us, uh, the way of unconditional love. Is love a feeling or is it a way of being? And so, Rachel, uh, welcome back to Real Men Real Talk Live. And we're going to invite you to kick us off, get us hot, light us up, and let's get this show going. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And thanks for everybody who's joining us tonight. The way of unconditional love. This is one of the 20 universal ways of oneness. These are aspects of enlightened oneness consciousness. And the way of unconditional love, of course, I love to talk about this one as one of the ways because... Um, I think that we get it wrong often of what we think love is, what we've been taught love is. It isn't a feeling and it isn't an attachment to another person. Love is a way of being. It means I can show up in self-love. I can show up in divine power, connected to my light, connected to my divinity if I love myself, I am the way of unconditional love, then when there is a need to set a boundary, for example, I love myself enough to do it. That is an aspect of love. It is a way of being, a state of being. If I need to say no to somebody, I do that with love, free from judgment, because love has no judgment. It doesn't include criticism or superior, inferior programs. Love means we have a chance, an opportunity to become what we have learned to seek outside of ourselves. It is not outside of us. 
It is a state of being. It comes from within. It emanates from us to others, but it is always the source of what we are, the truth of what we are. If we can begin to learn what that means, we can heal, we can elevate, and then we can be the way of unconditional love for other people in the world. Mm. Powerhouse intro, my sister. <laughs> As always, and um, yeah, absolutely. Boom, there you go. There's the show, Jay. There's the show. <laughs> what do you make of that, Ev? Before I want to start diving in, I'm just going to quickly um, in, uh Welcome our viewers from Rachel's side as well, everyone that's coming in from Masters of Self University, all our brothers and sisters on the other side of the pond. Um, thanks for jumping in. And um, before we get going tonight as well, after that beautiful intro from our sister, um, Rachel's actually offering something really um, of high value, which is the divine. Oh, which, that's not the right one, Jay. <laughs> it's actually a free downloadable uh, of is. Mason's Way, uh, a guide mason's way and um there's a lot of value that you cannot get in that if you just jump onto that link for our sister and um we'll keep running that through the broadcast but as always you're always on time my brothers and sisters and um you know as we keep shedding and i guess purging a lot of these old belief systems uh a lot of these ways of being a lot of the uh, emotions the old baggage the old ways of the 3d system what we're actually really returning back to is love. We're on our way back home. You know, to really understand unconditional love, we must first understand or understand and understand what love is. You know, what do you identify as love? You might have to revisit what love is to you, my brothers and sisters. I know growing up, uh, you know, I've shared it in my story in plenty of uh, episodes, but for you brothers and sisters that haven't heard, love was really confusing for me as a child. I um, used to see a lot of abuse and suffered a lot of trauma, I guess, uh, going through those early years of what love was. So my definition of love into my later years was wrapped around pain. It was wrapped around confusion. And until I had to do the deep diving and do a lot of the emotional purging myself, go on my own self-awareness journey and be able to revisit the true meaning of love, which our sister is really saying, it's not about what is. It's not about a circumstance. It's not about an obligation. It's not about an event. It's just what you are. So on my journey back home to this love, I started to really start to understand a little bit more about what unconditional love was as well. And it's something that I now share and teach uh, in my Rainbow Serpent Dreaming. And for me to revisit love and, you know, to remember what love was and is, I had to go back to my culture. Now, some of those programs uh, that we've been visiting and that we've been dumped on, on this planet up until this state, one of those very programs says that we're born into a world of sin as a sinner. Mm. In my culture, you're born into this world, and conceived of this world in love, with love. So going back to my culture and my roots, I still started to really understand the true definition of what love is. And tonight, what I'm going to be sharing, not only from a cultural side, but for some of the tips and tools that I now use within my Rainbow Serpent Dreaming workshops on how you can not only understand and understand what unconditional love is, but most importantly, what unconditional is for your self-love. And to me, at the very core and essence of you being able to understand what unconditional love is, is to know self-love first. So, yeah, man. I'm ready to dive in, Jay the Roth, man. Beautiful. I love that. We, ha we have ourselves a show this evening. We got um, a show. <laughs> Rachel, I'm, I'm curious, uh, what is your perspective of how do we define the essence of self-love? What is self-love truly? How do we embrace it? How do we find our way there? Is, is self-love something that we are born with? Is it just an innate part of the, our being? 
or is it something that we have to reach for and experience as, as part of our life? It's something that we simply are. Just as Eva said, we are unconditional love, the way of unconditional love, but we get lost. We get lost and we live in separation consciousness. That's what the last paradigm was all about. Thousands of years, centuries now, we've really become masters at what separation consciousness is. The way of unconditional love, this universal way of oneness consciousness. Now that we are evolving and elevating, we're moving towards oneness consciousness, which means it isn't love if another party or myself is excluded from the equation. It always includes all. So self-love is just the beginning aspect of growing into oneness consciousness because the truth is I cannot offer anybody what I have yet to become for myself. So mm. we start with the self. And if I can fall in love with myself, which means I can see my programs, my wounds, I own them, I heal them. I do whatever work necessary to alchemize them and elevate out of my inner child so I'm no longer a child and showing up as a child. I heal all of those aspects of me because that is what people who love themselves do. People that really don't love themselves don't worry about healing. They refuse it. They resist it. They ignore it. They deny it. They even trash talk it. They call other people woo-woo or weak because they go into healing themselves. Somebody that loves themselves says, oh, my God, look, I'm broken. I'm unhealed. I'm wounded. Oh, I'm running terrible programs that are harmful to other people. Oh, my God, look at how look at what a jerk I can be sometimes. If I love myself, I see that and I am willing to do anything and everything that it takes to heal out of that so that I can then offer the love that I am to others instead of the harm that I cause previously with all of my programs and unhealed stuff. So self-love is just one stepping stone to get to oneness consciousness, which is love for me and all. It doesn't exclude you. It doesn't exclude me. If somebody's missing from the equation, it isn't the way of unconditional love. Rachel, I'm, I'm curious then, what do you think is the roadblock? Why would somebody not be open to, to do the work, to come home to love of self if if we have found ourselves uh, detached, uh, walled off from our own heart or soul space. What do, what do you think is the, the, the main block that prevents us from saying, yes, 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 I surrender to this process? What are we afraid of? I think it's two main emotions, fear and shame, are what I've seen the most commonly, the causes of. I'm afraid of what I'll find. I'm afraid that I won't be able to handle it. Those are powerlessness programs. I'm afraid I can't handle looking at the, the real me, what we think is the real me, because you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past or you don't know the mistakes I've made. So there's a lot of shame that comes with that. It's this fear of going into the darkness, this fear, this really deep rooted fear that I'm not going to be able to handle it when I get to that unhealed trauma or that pain or those horrible programs, the, the, the man or woman I used to be, when if we just realize that as we move through the process and we bring the stuff up with love, not with shame, not with judgment, we bring the process up with the energy frequency of love, then we realize we can pull all of it up with love and it gets alchemized and we elevate out of it. It is no longer a part of who we are. But I think that fear, that powerlessness, and that shame are the biggest culprits that I've seen to where people like deny and avoid and don't want to do the real work. It's scary. What do you make it of, Ev? Mm, I love that, sister. And I, and I know you talk about it in your book. Um, I reckon there's one there you can add on there, sister. And to me, to love yourself, it really does mean, um, and you know, this is coming from a cultural side of things as well, you know, where we were always taught the equal interchange and exchange of energy of give and receive mm. so to love yourself really means to trust ourselves in this process and when i talk about being able to trust thyself particularly within it's got matters to do with loving yourself we've got to go back to where is this coming from well it's yeah. coming from the heart space so many people they're still trapped up in here 
Well, they're trapped down there. So they yeah. say this is looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, people thinking about love, fantasizing about love, ruminating about all the fabrications of what love is. And then they go looking for love. And what happens is they become dependent or codependent on that other person, place or thing as a source of energy. Yes. Mm. So you try and tell me how that's an equal interchange and balance of a give and receive exchange. It's not. And that's why some people become quite vampiric and they call them energy vampires where they lean on the other person to feel what love is. Just like I said at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, all we're doing is just trying to return back to love. Yeah, it's beautiful that uh, what I just heard you both saying in a paraphrase, when I was in a 12-step rooms early in my own healing journey for codependency, um, I'm not going to disclose, I'm not going to break anyone's anonymity as they say in the 12-step rooms. However, I heard so many people raise their hand and say, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of who, what I will find out, and I'm afraid of who I may become. Meaning they know who they are and they're willing to, they're, they're, they're more comfortable living in this pain mm-hmm. than feeling the pain. And what we, what we miss out on is the opportunity to embrace the essence of when we feel the pain and we reveal it, we can absolutely heal it. But as long as we're living in a pain, we're living in a dark, dense, muck, dirty energy, we will never experience the true essence of peace within. We will always be seeking happiness, joy, feeling of comfort, feeling of safety, plugging into somebody else, thinking that they're going to bring us home. And and I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. It will never work. Believe me, if, 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 if I could have done it, I would have done it. If I could have mm-hmm. achieved that, it would have happened. I, I spent decades trying to fill myself up with people, places, and things. And in the end, it, it did not bring me home. What it brought me was some significant medical conditions because my body couldn't, it wasn't sustainable. I was shutting down in my mid-50s. And so it's a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful alignment that we have in here, right here, right now in Real Men, Real Talk Live. We have a viewer, Bob Phillips, who's asking each person to define love in one sentence. Who wants to take that first? Go on, sister. I'll let you fire up. <laughs> Love is a state of being. It's not a feeling. And it isn't outside of you. It's what you are. Yeah. How about you, Ev? Yeah, I'll piggyback on that. Exactly. It's not about what is. It's what you are. I think I'd have a hard time answering that in one sentence. (laughs) 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 I guess the best way I could describe it for me is it's, it is about energy. It, it's about, it's about allowing your heart to be open to receive and to give the true essence of love. It's about your heart space being open. Yes. Only a closed heart can break. And we keep our heart, we've learned to keep our hearts closed and we've learned when somebody is unkind or they say something that hurts our feelings or they're, you know, not being loving that we immediately contract and close off and close down. We close our heart centers. And that is one of the reasons why we feel so much pain when somebody is unkind or unloving or mean, or they're doing something that is, you know, not the divine definition of the way of unconditional love we close down, we get smaller, we contract. That rigidity causes resistance. We're now resisting what is. And what we resist is what causes us that like hit back. Like that's why we feel all of that pain. If we stay completely wide open and we learn how to live 
completely open with an open heart, the way of unconditional love. It doesn't mean no one will ever hurt your feelings again or somebody won't be unkind to you ever again. They will. Look at our world. We have a, we have a little ways to go before everybody in the world is enlightened. So when that happens, though, if you're fully open, it passes through you. You have a brief temporary experience of emotional pain with your open heart. Energetically, your openness, your divinity, that love is what alchemizes and heals the pain. It then doesn't stick. It doesn't break you. It doesn't kill you. It doesn't destroy you. It's just a temporary life experience of discomfort. That is the power of an open heart. That is the power of the way of unconditional love. Now, who wouldn't want to fight for that, to become that, to face all their wounds and their fears and their programs, to become that powerful? That is divine power. Unconditional love is divine power. Each human needs more of that. So, so let me ask you this then. If, I, if we're closed off from a heart because of the fear and, and all the other stories that we've created around all the what ifs, when you're working with a client, any either one of you too, what would be some of the tools or some of the guidance that you would give the, your client, even our viewers in this moment right here, right now, what is, what is the pathway to open up that heart and get out of the egoic mind? How do we do it? What's, give us some shortcuts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this first because I know Evis is really beautiful at giving some great shortcuts and some tools for people. What, what I teach and what my certified coaches teach is the energetic process of connecting to your heart because that's an energetic process. So we guide people to do that and what it feels like to be connected and then what that feels like energetically as you expand it open. And that process is an energetic process. It's an experience. It isn't, you're not going to fully get there with, you know, breath work doesn't directly just open your heart for you. It guides you and leads you there. Other tools, meditation guides you towards you energetic connection with your heart. And that's what some of those tools are really beautiful for, but to energetically connect is to bring all of your focused attention to the center of the center of the center of your chest, of your heart chakra, of your heart space. Breathe, close your eyes, and begin to feel the sensation of inside of your body. Just feel what that feels like. If your mind starts thinking, you are out of your heart center. Breathe, and for just a second or two, Focus on the sensation of it, just the feeling, the physical feeling on the inside of your body. Breathe and keep feeling right there. And when you start to feel an energy there, a sensation there, you can then just command your heart, literally with your mind, say, open. And feel what that feels like. Open. The energy inside of your body responds to your commands. And you start learning how to work with energy that way. Over time, you become more sensitive to what that feels like. And then you can start to live with the energy of openness because you have the experience now energetically of what that feels like. If you don't know how to do that and you can't start there, that's okay. Evis can now tell you the best tools to guide you to start to get you there. Mm. Oh, by the way, I, before you jump in, Ev, I do want to say that um, right now I, I've been participating in a program, one of Rachel's programs, and I am literally witnessing two of your coaches um, working with three other individuals in this program. And how you just described it is I witness it every week when we get to the, to the, to the section of the class on the healing, the actual healing based on that week's, that week's topic. And it's magical. It's beautiful. And it works. It truly works. Yeah. 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 So it's beautiful. I'm, I'm here. Uh, I'm giving the testimony to what you just said. It's not just woo-woo stuff. This, this stuff is real. It works. It is, it is a, a significant gateway to the, to the healing of the heart of soul space. Uh, Ev, tips, tricks, or tools. What do you got? What are you thinking? Mm, I love that. And that's a beautiful practical tool. Um, but where I start with is with everyone's story. 
You know, what we always knew in culture and we respected was everyone's story. Didn't, believe, didn't have to mean that we agreed with their story, but the more we learn about someone's story, where they're at, where they came from, where they're looking to go, mm. then we get more knowledge about that particular individual. The more knowledge we have gives us the more power to now start making conversation where we can connect on a deeper level through the lens of love, being able to move through some of this pain that they may have been going through. So when I teach this rainbow serpent, we're basically talking about those chakras, as you guys might know, across the other side of the pond. Now, to understand these light wheels, you're really governing self-development. And that's why I talk about you've got to know someone's whole story. We've got to go back to those early ages. It gives you a deeper understanding, understanding and understanding on the consciousness behind human emotion. So this is where it gets deep. I'll start them off. I'll start them off in those lower realms. I need to know your story. Have you ever talked to your mum about your story at zero, two to years old? Do you know if she was happy when you were in the womb? Do you know if there was any violence going on on the outside of that womb? Mm. When we're able to learn about whether we felt that safety and sense of security, then we start rising this serpent. We start rising the serpent into the sacred waters. From two to four years old, this is when our emotions start to form. Now, if those waters have been stagnant, toxic, then they don't move. They don't allow you to be able to move up into heart space. So when we're able to move those waters and emotions and we start to get a little bit more self-worth, self-value, then we start to go into where those emotions go up into what feeds your heart. The vitality of your heart is fed by your sun. In my culture, we call panau, your solar plexus. This is why they say when you have water, emotions, meeting heat, what's that cause? Esteem. So we build our self-esteem. Mm. That esteem rises as a bridge into that heart space. Now, when we come up into that heart space, there's a lot to learn, man. So from the ages of 6 to 12 years old, while that delicate little place is still developing within your world, it's going to take patience. So it's a patient time for you to actually start trying to even open up this heart before you go up into the higher realms, into the spirit. Beautiful. Love that. Evis Heath, dropping it in one more time tonight. Um, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to share just a couple of shortcuts that, uh, that really were part of my toolbox early on and, and just a beautiful way. And I still utilize it to a large extent in my own, my own life today, my own healing journey. One is music. Mm. I have a very different relationship with music today than I ever had in my life. I hear words and songs. I hear the lyrics. I may have sung, I may have sung that song hundreds of times in my younger years, but I wasn't really aware of what those words were saying to me. And now I hear songs that they may go back to the 70s, to the 60s, to the 80s, <laughs> and I hear it as though it's the first time because I hear it from my heart space. I'm not listening to the melody as much as I'm paying attention to the words that are being conveyed, expressed. Words of love, words of pain, words of sorrow, words of joy, words of connection, words of disconnection. And in those moments, as long as my heart is open to receive it, it impacts me in a very emotional way. Sometimes as my adult self, sometimes I receive those lyrics as my younger self. And then what I do, I let the tears flow with my heart open. I hold space for that little boy within. I hold him on my lap. I may hold him as I'm hiking if I'm in a, in a wilderness by myself. And we honor that moment as another way to reconnect in a very profound way. 
the other the other tip I want to share is writing, learning how to embrace journaling or writing. Whether you do it in a in a paper paperback journal, or you open up your notes app in your phone and you just start typing. If you had like in a a trigger like I had around my penmanship because I realized that block was when I'd see my penmanship, it was that little kid's penmanship. And when I realized that, I was like, there's got to be another way to do this. And sure enough, I I was, uh, I got the download from Divine Source. Open up your note, note app on your phone and just start typing. I knew how to type as a businessman. That was really easy for me. And that was another gateway. I learned how to, how to journal, not only for my adult self, but at times give that little boy within JJ let him write, let him express his feelings as that five-year-old, as that 12-year-old, as that 15-year-old, as that 23-year-old. And then what I would do is I'd read it out loud. And every time I'd read it out loud, I'd hear it. I'd feel it vibrating through all my, my, my entire body. And then the tears would begin to flow. Not tears of sadness as much as tears of gratitude that for the first time in my life, I felt safe to express my feelings without being judged by somebody in my life, whether it be a mother, a father, a past mate, as we see overseas, regardless of who it was, it could have even been a friend. For the first time in our life, we can feel safe and heal a core wound around trust. And so uh, I want to bring us back in right now. Um, Beautiful. Beautiful, Jay. I just wanted to put up this this comment by uh, one of our viewers out there, maybe a new viewer, Jay. Um, I'm the reincarnation of my mother's shame and guilt. Fortunately, I had 18 years as an adult to connect to my mum, sharing my found love. Mm, beautiful. How does that make you feel, Rachel? Thank you for sharing that, first of all. And to have the awareness that, you know, my mother's shame and guilt, carrying that and processing that and healing that. So 18 years as an adult to connect to my mom, sharing my found love is something that is a huge accomplishment and good for you for finding it, for finding the love that you are. That's amazing. That's mm. beautiful. I also, before we move on, I do want to also uh, share this one coming in from Dr. Charles, Sedona, Arizona, uh, a neighbor or so of mine. I just love this man. Um, he says, love is the divine force of creation. What, what do you make of that? What is, what do you, what is he really saying? Can one of you break that down for us? Like I said, no matter what scripture, belief system, ancient knowledge, whatever you follow, love is light. Love is creation. Like I mentioned in my culture, um, beautiful uh, example of how we recognize unconditional love. You know, we were actually, we're the youngins of what's on this planet right now. But it was the, the, the love of Father Sky and Mother Earth to give birth to our animal ancestors and we came along at the end. So in creation itself, I mean, isn't that a beautiful example of unconditional love? The sky still stays in the sky. It can't be down on the earth all the time. And yet what crap are we doing to the earth itself? What are we doing to our mother creation itself? We're raping her. We're pillaging her. We're destroying her. Yet, you know what? She shows nothing but unconditional love. She, em she embraces. She continues to be divine. She continues to be powerful. And thats it's an example of what we can achieve as humans if we learn what love actually is. And just to segue, because I want to get to the the everyday practical ways that people try to show love or they think is, you know, love, what they think love is, it isn't the, the gifts you give, for example. It isn't the, oh, I'm not loved because my friend didn't remember that it was my birthday. Oh, you know, all the ways that we think people should show up for us in our everyday lives is not unconditional. It's, it's, that's not unconditional love. It's placing conditions. When we learn, one of the things that Jay said was, when I can hear it from my heart space, when I can hear it from my heart space, it's learning to drop into your heart chakra, the center of your being. That's where balance is. That's where the connection to our soul is. That's what allows us, the more time we stay there and get out of our heads, 
drop into our hearts, we begin to learn on an energetic level what love is. And then we don't rape Mother Earth anymore. We can't. If you are love, you literally cannot do that. If you become what love actually is, that doesn't mean you'll never make a mistake. You know, it doesn't mean you'll never fall from grace. But generally speaking, you cannot harm other people in this world. You can't do it when you're love. So it brings us back to ourselves to do a self-assessment. Am I, you know, offending or offensive? Do I take offense to every damn thing for crying out loud? Do I show up in these ways that are not a representation of what divine love is? And that shows us where we have work to do on ourselves. Do I show harm to this planet? Do I show harm to my neighbors? Do I show harm to another race of people? Do I show harm to my spouse or my partner? And in what ways do I? The reason why I do that self-assessment is because someone who's willing to become what love actually is, is willing to take the self-assessment. They're willing to take responsibility for it. And they're willing to heal those aspects of themselves. So we don't learn about love just by gaining some knowledge. It really is a becoming. I have to be willing to become the things that I wish I saw more in this world. I have to be willing to become what I wish I experienced more in my relationship or in my friendships. I have to be willing to become. That is the first step of what the way of unconditional love truly is. And it's also leading us. That is what leads us to peace, to harmony, to having those beautiful, loving relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, whatever it might be. That is the journey to bring us back home. And that's what it means to start to learn what love really, truly actually is. It's a becoming. Beautiful. I want to switch gears here right now and uh, take us into the next segment of tonight's show. Um, does unconditional love mean not setting healthy boundaries? What role do boundaries play in unconditional love? Do they even play a role? hundred percent they do. Tell us more. One hundred percent. Because if I love myself, then I am willing to stand in my power and set boundaries. I'm willing to say no. I'm willing to speak up. I'm willing to speak out. I show a lack of love, for example, if I'm not willing to honor myself, if I'm not willing to speak up when somebody is victimizing me or trying to shut me down. The setting the boundary is keeping myself safe. That's an aspect of love, number one. If I'm unwilling to speak out against injustices in this world, against that person over there harming or hating on that person over there, if I'm not willing to speak out, I am not an aspect of unconditional love. If I do not show up in a powerful way, I haven't yet connected to my true divine self. Saying no sometimes is the most loving thing you could ever offer to yourself and to others. No, I'm not available. No, that's not okay. No, you cannot do that to me. No, you cannot do that to them. Setting boundaries is a manifestation of what unconditional love is. Appropriate boundaries, of course, but setting boundaries is one of the manifestations that arises out of unconditional love without a question. So let me ask you this, and when when let's say you set a boundary in that in that moment, and then your friend or your partner, your lover, your husband, your wife pushes back and they wanna they, they create that the the fight. They want to go to fight, flight, or freeze. Then I won't fight with you. I don't fight with you. I said no. I said what I said. Honor it, and you're done. That's it. People will push back when you show up in a loving, powerful way. Love does not include judgment of that person. They are not inferior. They are just in this moment running their programs in a different grade. It doesn't mean we get to let them walk all over us because that's not love. That's not self-love. And if I just let them run their dysfunctional, unhealthy programs, that's not love for them. Ah. That isn't loving them to let them still do that nonsense and that crap. So it's a, yeah, people will push back. Do I love myself enough to stand in my power and say, I said no. And when I say no, I mean no. And you end it right there. That is love for that person, not just for myself. Not to let you run this dysfunction with me. I won't entangle with you in that way. That is love, not just for me. That is showing love for you. 
That is showing love for you. You want to be dysfunctional? Go do it somewhere else. But you're not going to do it here with me. I have too much love for both of us for that. Beautiful. What do you make of that, Ev? Anything uh, you want to piggyback? Damn. You know, that's that's boundaries right there for your brothers and sisters. You know, and, and, and that's the beautiful different octaves and frequencies of what love is. Some yes. people might call that tough love or hard love. So don't get caught up and uh, twisted with these emotions and feelings because you can be blindsided. And unfortunately, your boundaries won't mean anything without a consequence. I've said this in a previous show. Boundary without a consequence, brothers and sisters, is just you simply getting walked over about your words. So it comes back into what really should be at the cream of the top for a lot of relationships, and that is respect. Yeah. When you put up boundaries, it's a sign of self-respect. People see that you respect yourself. They see that you have control of your emotions, that you're not going to conflict with them, even if they are projecting some of those emotions onto you. That is all signs of love, not only for that other person, for yourself, but love itself as well. Magnificent. Yeah. When we talk about consequences for bound with boundaries, um, if you're not accustomed to setting boundaries and you're new at this, this new, you know, I call it an art form, uh, a healthy art form. How do you know, you know, what a consequence that's appropriate to the boundary or to the crime that you're about to set the boundary for? You let your heart guide you. Ah. You listen to what your heart says to do and you don't try to figure it out up here because there are infinite number of scenarios and situations and we can get stuck there until the day we all die, right? It, when you learn what unconditional love is, it means you live from your heart because sometimes setting a boundary is saying absolutely nothing and walking away and being in silence. Sometimes it's being quiet and peaceful and passive. Sometimes, and that's a boundary. Sometimes setting boundaries means I'm gonna get louder and you're gonna hear my roar. And that is what love is in that particular moment. It's listening to your heart, not the emotions that are flowing through, not getting confused with what emotions may be coming up. They're not wrong. Your emotions are not bad. They are there for a reason. But your heart, when you're really connected to unconditional love, the way of unconditional love, this universal way of oneness, you are really connected in the center of your heart chakra to that. You feel the energy and the power of it, and it guides you in your life. It really will. That energy, that divine energy guides you. It really will. And you have to learn to rely on it, to trust it, and to just go with the flow when that energy says, you know, speak up, get louder, be stronger, or relax. It's not a big deal. Walk away. Just walk away. It's not worth it. Your divine guidance, if you're really connected to your heart, it really will show up and guide you in every scenario. So here's, here's where it gets a little confusing then. Dr. Charles asked this profound question. Aren't boundaries also conditions then? Oh, good question. Evis, do you want to take that or do you want me to go? You can go. Sister, you're on a roll. I'll leave it to you. So that's a beautiful question. And I thank you for asking that. They are, it isn't a condition. It, so a condition comes with judgment. You must be this certain way. Instead of when I am the way of unconditional love, I am simply observing you and I can see what programs you're running, what wounds you have. I can see the unloving things you may be doing. I am judgment free. It doesn't mean that when I am the way of love, I am going to allow you to vomit all of your programs and wounds onto me. I'm not a dumping ground, right? I love myself too much for that. So when we set boundaries, they are boundaries that are set with love. What does that mean? No judgment. You're not inferior to me just because you are in dysfunction right now. You are not less than me. You're simply choosing to be in a dysfunctional state. I can honor that as your choice, and I don't have to be in a dysfunctional state with you. I am going to rise above out of that. No criticism, no judgment of you, but I'm going to rise above. And then I create the spaciousness to give you the opportunity to rise above with me or stay where you are. 
None of it comes with judgment. So when I set boundaries, as long as they are free from judgment, superiority programs, or anything else that's negative and unloving, no, they are not conditions. They are an invitation to grow, heal, and expand. That's Beautiful. what they are. Beautiful. Let's, uh, let's move right along here. Next, uh, this is an interesting one I'm going to put out there. Um, what is the difference between behavior programs and soul consciousness? Ev, you want to jump? Deep. <laughs> well, behavior is very egoic, isn't it? You know, if, if someone's running a, a behavioral program, obviously our behavior, our actions come from what we've either thought or felt. You know, they, you may be in a bit of an argument. You may be in a little bit of uh, a, a, a disagreement, so to speak. You know, if, if you're going to act on that person's behavior, not based on who they truly are, which is a soul, it's a spirit. It doesn't run the behavioral programs. That's the difference in running these behavior and these soul consciousness programs. So you've got to ask yourself, okay, who's running the battleship? Is it the ego or is it finally your higher self that's coming full time? Beautiful. Beautiful. Rachel, Beautiful. you want to add anything to that? You want to add an explanation point? Just that your behavioral programs are just that. It's your programming. How are you behaving? Is it in unloving, harmful, selfish ways maybe? If that's the case, you're not coming from your soul's expression. Your soul's expression doesn't come from anything like that, doesn't create anything like that. Our woundedness does. Our unhealed stuff creates our go. behavioral programs. Our behavioral programs are symptoms of our unhealed, unconscious wounds. That's all they are. They aren't the truth of who you are. It is how you're showing up. Mm -hmm. But that can be healed and changed if you're willing to go deeper into the core wounds. That is when you see your soul start to come online and then your soul can express itself through you more divinely once you heal those wounds that have you showing up with behavioral programs that you're not so proud of. I love that. I'm just reflecting on an experience I had yesterday with uh, another, another man in this community where I call home today. And um, it was just so beautiful because we, we shared um, some of our past, you know, experiences, not, not to, you know, not, going into all of them, but just enough to, to really honor and respect where, where we were and how we've evolved more on a soul consciousness level. Mm. And in that moment, he teared up, the tears flowed. And, uh, I just said, I just looked at him. I said, may I give you a hug right now? And he said, please. Aww. And we just held each other in, it felt like five minutes. It was probably less than a minute, but it was just a beautiful exchange of soul consciousness between two men that, that have shown up and done this deep work to heal those core wounds that both of us were living in for decades. And so it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, two women or two men. When we, are living in a heart-centered consciousness, our heart space, our soul space. We don't show up to hurt other people. We don't show up with our pain, vomiting all over each other and thinking that that's what the true essence of friendship is about. Yeah. The true essence of friendship is about seeing each other, honoring each other, loving each other in that moment without, without wanting to trigger each other, thinking that you know that's how many of us have shown up. I showed up that way. I had a lot of sarcasm. My tongue was a sharp, very sharp weapon in my younger years because that was, that was my egoic way to defend myself. Mm. Right. Does that make sense? Magnificent. Absolutely. So that was, uh, I, I sent a note to this beautiful man uh, a little bit earlier today. And I said, you know, that was such a defining moment for, for me and our relationship. I will never forget that exchange that unfolded just two men honoring our past, honoring our present, and how we are able to show up today as men in the balance of the, both the masculine and the feminine divine energy. And in that moment, there were other people in the room and it didn't matter. As Aww. far as you and I were concerned, we would by ourselves, and nobody was there. Lovely. That's the true essence of 
of love, in, in, in my opinion. That's the true essence of being love. Right? Beautiful expression of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's switch gears here. Let's move right along. We're coming up on 11 minutes to the hour. What does emotional IQ mean and what is its role in love? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You want to go first, Evis? <laughs> sure stage tonight, sister. You know me. So Make, Making way for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So emotional IQ is what really allows us to mature into what unconditional love is. If we are emotionally immature, we have a low emotional IQ, we're trapped in our inner child and we haven't matured and grown up, that means we are trapped in the inability to handle emotions when they come up, either within myself or when other people show them or express them or are experiencing and feeling emotions in front of me. That's when you see people, especially in romantic relationships, like, oh, don't cry. Or, you know, can't you just get over? Oh, let me play Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It. Here's the solution so you don't cry and don't feel this in front of me. When we play the Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It person to our partner or friend or anybody, what we're really saying is, I cannot handle your emotion right now. And because of that, I want to make it stop. And we mm -hmm. also project onto other people with the Fix-It program that you're not capable of moving through something yourself because you're sharing an emotion with me. I am seeing that there is something wrong when there isn't anything wrong. If we had a high emotional IQ, we would say, oh my gosh, look at you experiencing emotion. How can I love and support you through this right now? Do you want just a listening ear? Do you want me to sit and listen? Would you like advice? I am here for you. How would you like me to show love and support to you right now? That is a high level of emotional IQ. When we can achieve moving through our emotions and maturing through the not denying, ignoring, shaming, blaming, just feeling emotion and realizing that's part of the human experience. When we're that mature, we can show up as that mature for other people, meaning we are actually able to experience, give, and receive love to another person. When you don't have that maturity yet, you're trapped in a toddler tantrum. Everything's about me, 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 that narcissistic toddler age. Then you don't have the ability to truly live in a mature adult relationship and express and receive unconditional love. You have to grow up first. And then what love is comes online very easily. Wow. Whoa. I don't want, you know, this is one of those moments where that kid within, he doesn't want this to end tonight. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> we, I, wow. Ev, what do you make of what Rachel just shared? And what do you, what, how do you want to piggyback that? There's, a, there's the EI. Don't worry about AI, brothers and sisters. There's your EI. Love so, it. <laughs> <laughs> love that, Evis. <laughs> and, and I love, you know, like this is about really adjusting those EQ on, on, on those emotions, you know. But unfortunately, when we were younger, a lot of our emotions were shut down. I mean, yes. if, you're, if you're like me, yes. like I said last week, I was told I'd, I'd get something to uh, really cry about if I didn't shut my emotions down. Yep. So and, until I was able, yeah. Both of us, brother, all of us. So until I was able to freely start to identify my own emotions and validate them, never, ever try and fix anyone's emotions. Validate them, sit in them. That's why we talk about giving space. So as soon as we validate them, that actually allows them to build more self-trust like I was talking at the start of the show. When we're able to identify these emotions freely from ourselves without judgment and we as the receiver of those uh, emotions give nothing but empathy and compassion, then we're able to start regulating and managing through the day. That allows us to be able to then freely express, whether that's through crying, whether that's through journaling like Jay said at the start of the show, whether that's like breathing, which Rachel mentioned also. This is your real EQ on the EI. Beautiful. That's it uh, right there. Yeah. That's perfect. Mm. And that is what allows you to then experience 
the energetic frequency of unconditional love is that we're, we're grown up enough to handle what is in front of us, whether it's another person experiencing it, experiencing it or ourselves, because growing up and maturing through our emotions and gaining a higher emotional IQ is actually an expression of self-love. It means I love myself enough. I think I'm important enough to mature enough so that I can handle my own emotions. That is self-love. And if I can then handle and move through my own emotions, I am then capable. I'm gaining the skills to be able to offer that to other people around me. Mm. How is that anything but loving? Pure magic well, system. I love that. Um <laughs> I want to ask this last question and then we'll, uh, we'll do a round robin and put a pretty bonus show and call it a wrap. Mm -hmm. But before we get to the wrap, what role does passion play in unconditional love? Oh, I like that question. <laughs> of course I really you like that question. You know why? <laughs> because it came out of, it came out of your book for our viewers that, uh, that uh, may not be aware of it. This is a book, a, an amazing book. I think it's one of the best books that I've ever read. It's called Mason's Way, The 20 Universal Ways of Oneness. And um, Mary and I read this book together. It is just an absolutely brilliant book. You could find it. You could buy it, I believe, on your Amazon. website as well as on Amazon. I don't know if there's any benefit of one or the other. But uh, oh, download your free guide. Or download your free guide. Yeah. yeah. That's another that's another way to get a lot of hits. But uh, tell me why you love that question, Rachel, and what does it mean to you? The What role does passion play in unconditional love? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it harmful? Is it helpful? I think we have to first um, discern the difference between what a lot of people call passion, and it isn't passion, it's lust. Mm. Mm. Lust is what most people think. Oh, I'm so passionate. No, you're lustful. And lustful comes from an unhealed, immature um, place of objectification of others, mm -hmm. place of attachment of others. We can never learn what true divine passion is until we heal the lust that comes with being human, that we will no longer objectify another human being, even if it's our own romantic partner, that we're not here to objectify others and we're not here to be objectified. None of that is passionate and none of that is love. You want to fast forward into healing yourself, elevating and becoming the way of unconditional love. Passion arises out of that. Divine passion arises out of that. And it doesn't include objectification. It doesn't include codependency. It doesn't include, you know, egoic attachment to another or neediness for another. It is, I am, in, I am so in love with myself. I am the way of unconditional love. I can offer you unconditional love on your good days, on your bad days, and all the days in between. When I show up that way, and especially if you can show up that way in return, then what organically starts to arise out of that is a passion for each other. And that passion, passion for your work, if you love your work, passion mm. will flow out of you for your work and what you're here to do on the planet. Passion isn't just sex. It, it doesn't have to have anything to do with sexual intimacy. And that's why we need to dissolve lust and objectification. Passion can be in a romantic partnership. It elevates your relationship. Passion can be in the job that you do. It elevates what you're here to offer people. Passion can be in friendships. It elevates the friendship. It takes it to a blissful level organically, naturally, without having to try. But in order to get to that, you have to be willing to dissolve the lust, those lower, denser things that we've been taught that we've mistaken for passion, which isn't passion at all. Let's heal that. And then you get to experience the blissful, playful, joyful energy that passion actually is. That arises out of unconditional love. Ev? <laughs> I got nothing, you want, brother. You want to dissect that one? It's all there, man. Don't need to dissect anything there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> No, One thing I love you. about Rachel is that she uh, she said those words with passion. Did she not? Exactly oh. right, man. <laughs> exactly right. Why? Because it came from the heart. It came from the heart. Beautiful. Well, uh, I want to invite you, uh, Ev, uh, 
to wrap us up tonight, give uh, give us closing thoughts on tonight's topic, uh, all about the way of unconditional love. Um, set us up for a closeout. Yeah, man, it's been another beautiful show, and we're very thankful for any viewers that have dropped in uh, from outside of the Real Men Real Talk live community, and have our beautiful sister here, um, being able to share so much wisdom, knowledge, and um, some of these things that we can learn. Uh, you know, the, the learning process is never over, brothers and sisters. And sometimes that lesson, particularly when we're wrapping around unconditional love, can be some of the hardest lessons because so much of it has to be learned by self. So for me, you know, really being able to dip into this unlimited reservoir of love is you being able to return back to your heart space, which we've been talking about all night. For many years, I was, man. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. But now I'm very patient. I'm not looking for anything. People go into these particular relationships thinking they need to, you know, be completed. Like I always say, you're never completed unless someone is in your life there to complement you. So until you are completed, you always look to be completed by another one, another place, another thing. So the heart space and working our way back to this beautiful place is truly the golden compass. Remember, love recognizes love, brothers and sisters. This organ is the first organ that is literally developed in the fetus at birth before any other organs. It has more neurons than your brain, 60% more. What does this say? What it says to me is that you've really got to tune in. You've got to tune into this beautiful instrument we call our heart. You've got to ask yourself, what is that particular rhythm? What is that currently beating at? You may need to change the EQ like we've talked about tonight. You may need to have to change up certain environments that you're surrounding yourself in only so you can start feeling love. When you can start building this self-trust, validating your own emotions and working your way up from those earlier years that may have caused so much pain that you still wrap love around with today, then my brothers and sisters, that allow you to be able to live in freedom versus fear which is on that other side of what really love is. So on that note, Mr. J. The Roth Man and our beautiful sister, Rachel Fiore, thank you, thank you, thank you. Magnificent. Beautiful. Rachel, you're up. Closing thoughts. I think that there's a discovery that needs to happen with every individual, and this is what true awakening is, that the source of love really truly does come from within yourself. And when you can really understand what that means and discover that not as a mental concept, when you experience the love that you are, you then awaken to the love that is around you everywhere, always in everything and everyone, whether they know it or not. You see it everywhere in the little gestures, the little comments, the way that people treat you, the way that animals come near you, the way that you see it and it's the way that is expressed in nature, but you see it now. You are the source of love. If you stop looking for it out there and discover it inside of yourself, your world and your life experience will change and you'll never be the same and you'll never go back to having a closed heart. Remember, only a closed heart can break. Become the love that you are. Awaken to that. Mm. I want to thank you, Rachel Fiore, for joining us this evening. This has been an absolutely beautiful Episode 157, The Way of Unconditional Love. And um, this was a, a, a short notice. You accepted the invite with very little time. You actually had to juggle your schedule to make it to join us tonight. Um, it's been such an honor. This has been such a stimulating, passionate, deep dive into the true essence of what unconditional love truly is, what it means. And, um, and with that, I want to just, uh, before we close out, I want to just drop in one more 
short clip from last week's show because I, I think it is relevant to tonight's topic. Revisiting some residue from the past, but these allow us to just see how far we have come to really in the present moment and be grateful for this journey. When I was in some of these hardships, I always had my vision imprinted to know that I had purpose and still had meaning within my life and start to see on the observer side that, you know what, I'm actually not my emotions. They're a tool, they are a part of my experience, but I'm not my emotions and see that the emotions that I was feeling, anger, actually allowed me to stand up more for myself. Sadness allowed me to be able to appreciate this journey that I've been on. But when I fell back into joy, that really did allow me to be grateful for all of this that we go through as a human. I don't know, no. Viewers, thank you for joining us this evening. Please share it out with your friends and family. We love you. Come back next week. We have another special guest joining us, someone from Rachel's uh, uh, coaching program. And uh, we'll announce who that is next week. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us on Real Men. You guys want to join me in a closeout here? Real yeah. Men. Real, Real Talk. talk. Live.